Hey, it's Sean Fennessy, host of The Big Picture. Did you just see the latest tentpole blockbuster? Or a surprisingly fun new movie on a streaming service? Or maybe you just want to bone up on the greatest films ever made? From reviews to rankings, career retrospectives to movie drafts, and everything in between, The Big Picture is here for you. Listen to The Big Picture for free on Spotify. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Jimmy Smooth is here. I don't know. We've never, I'm pretty sure we've never done this before. Mm-hmm. There might have been some time at ESPN years ago that I don't I don't remember, but I'm 99.9% sure this never happened. Not a one-on-one. Not a one-on-one. One-on-one we've definitely different. met. One-on-one is different. It's yeah. kind of like sometimes iconic characters get somehow to go one-on-one. And I use the basketball analogy. Yeah. You know? Now, everybody, now, it depends what kind of game it is, but the two individuals, when they go one-on-one, they got to have they both have to have game. You gotta have game. You can't put anybody on the court with each other. You know, some some people are just not they're not versatile enough to be on the court with the other person. But sometimes these two minds uh, have got to meet at some point on the court. We've circled each other for a long time. We circle each other sometimes. It's like two boxers in the same weight class who and just never want to. Two southpaws going yeah. around in circles, just going in circles. <laughs> We're both from Philly. Just waiting for one open spot <laughs> to throw a punch, and the crowd's going boo. <laughs> Hit him! Somebody do something! Yeah. And, that, and thus, that's when the UFC was born. And now you can kick the shit out of somebody. See? Once the feet get involved, it changes the whole game. Once the feet are involved, it changes everything. The feet and able to grapple and tackle somebody and put them on the ground and make, make their ass tap out. Now it's a different game. I intentionally did no research for this podcast. You don't need no research with me. With well, me. I figured, like, I figured we wing it. Which is something you're very good at, which I'm, I, like I know on Curb, there's a lot of winging. We love the wing on Curb. Curb is built. I mean, I think I was built for that show. Right. I really do. Well, he know. he realized initially you were only supposed to be in the first season, right? I don't think you were intended to stick around for yeah, five came, more seasons after yep. that. I came in season six. The Meet the Meet the Black season. Meet the Black season. So, yeah, man, I think it's one of those things, but, but I do believe you precede yourself. Like, this was my favorite show of all time. Yeah. You know, I watched Curb when I was writing for SNL. Yeah. I would, we, we were, you know, we would watch Curb, you know, come in 
to the writing sessions, and we would talk about Curve for 15 minutes because you know while I was on air, we talk, before we even started working, we just talked about Curve. And I love that damn show, man. I loved it so much. That was my favorite show. And then, um, you know, but years earlier, like let's say late, late eighties, late eighties, uh, mid eighties. Are you talking about when Larry was a writer? No, I'm talking about when I when I oh. took an improv class. Uh, you know, late eighties, I took an improv class, and um, I think that's one of those things that somehow, you know, I took the improv class with uh, Marty Friedman. Yeah. I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't know if you know Marty Friedman. Marty Friedman did an SCTV. Remember SCTV? Yeah. Yeah, Marty Friedman was on SCTV. Oh, he's a cast member? Yeah, man. And um, he had an improv class at the old improv comedy club in uh, in New York. And um, the club actually closed down after after that uh, improv class I took that summer. So that was the first thing I ever did was take an improv class. I wanted to see who I wanted to be on stage and off stage. And I think that putting that little tool in my box years later, you know, um, but even my stand-up has always been improvised, somewhat improvised in my stand-up. Um, I'm a chance taker, so I just go out there and just wing it sometimes. But I like to go where the audience takes me takes takes me at, takes me to. And what happened was I put that little improvised tool in my in my toolbox and years later I had an opportunity to go in for curb and I ended up on the greatest improvised show on TV. So you go you audition for the job of uh, I can't. What was her name? Loretta, uh, yeah. Vivica Fox's character. Oh yeah, yeah. She she. Uh, everybody everybody kind of. Were you the brother or the cousin? Oh, the brother, I mean, brother, oh, the brother. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Leon. Yeah. And you have this great season on the show, and then the next season he has to kind of get rid of the whole family to start a new thing. But somehow yeah. you you just end up staying. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I always love when they pulled that off. It's like, no, actually, Leon's uh, going to just stay in the guest room. <laughs> it's like, oh great. More Leon. More Leon this is baby. awesome. Yeah. It I made think, no sense though. Why you live there? Why this sometimes multi-billionaire I, would have you in his house? I think it is though. And did this can can merge over to real life or TV life? Well, I do believe you have to sometimes you gotta take a friend, take a job, take a lady. I think at some point in your life, you're gonna be doing one of those things. You're gonna do, even if it's unintentional, you're gonna at some point, you're gonna take something. Yeah. That you that's that's automatically has pulled you in that direction, whether you intentionally did it or you did it on purpose. But at some point, you got to take a job, take a friend, take a lady, or whatever it is. At some point, you got to take something. Just has to happen. It just has to has to happen. You, sometimes you step on toes and burn bridges that you don't know you did. You know, so at some point, you got to do one of those things. So, you know, I think that you 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 show up to your job, you overdo it. I just posted some. I posted just now from my city of Mount Vernon, where I'm from. They they post a, a bunch of uh, for Black History Month. They post uh, people from Mount Vernon who are who are, who are doing things and always have done amazing things and are trying to do amazing things. So, um, and I posted. You know, I always try to come to work early. I try to stay late. You know, because me coming early. You know, not a regular job. Whatever your dream is. Yeah. For your dream, you come early, you stay late. But I'm not telling you to give your boss damn <laughs> free time right. that he's not going to pay you overtime for. I'm saying for your dream, you come early, you stay late. You know what I'm saying? That's that's what's going to propel you into where you want to be at. So, so you're saying that first curb season, you were showing up early, staying late. Because it's benefiting me. Yeah. 
if you gotta shoot a scene over, sometimes I'll ask for a scene. Can we shoot that again? Cause I know I could do it better. Or yeah. I know I could, I just came up with a bright idea. Uh, I was improvising, but hey, I got another funny one. Let's try this one. Can we get one more shot? That way, that's benefiting me. You know what I mean? That's giving me another chance to take a swing, a, a crack at it, which is different. So when I say, you know, I'll tell young people come early, stay late. That means you put you invest into what you want to do. Yeah. What is going to make you happy? What is going to make you strive for for greater things? Is you come early, you stay late. You stay late for yourself. You come early for yourself. Now I'm not telling you to do that for your boss. You do that for yourself. That's going to benefit you later on. You're not going to be this boss for, forever. It's not your boss for the rest of your life. This is your boss for right now. So you stroll into that Kirby universe, of course. And within within a couple of days, you're like, I'm home. <clears throat> this well, is it. Well, I tell you, I tell you this. When I was on Curb, I remember the first day on Curb, my first day shooting. Uh, we had just shot a scene, a few scenes that day, and then me and Larry were just standing there talking, you know, off camera. And Larry said, "You know, it feels like we've been working together for years." Mm. And that's that is what you should feel. That you you feel it on your skin. Yeah. Like oh, I'm, this this is what this is what. So my process of getting on curb was a a, a route I had to take. So I, I tell you, take that moment I just said, but I'm going to tell you something right now. So when I was uh, watching Curb, I loved it. I was in Jersey. I stayed in Jersey City when I worked at SNL. So my wife was washing dishes. My fiance, who's now my wife, was washing dishes and, and watching Curb. On, watching Curb. I said, man, I love this damn show so much. So I'm watching, watching the show, while she, but she wasn't really into it yet. And, and then she started watching it. And then she said, man, I said, I love this show so much. I said, I would love to be on this show one day. And she said, you know what? I can see you on this show. She said, you're going to be on this show one day. I can see you and Larry together clearly. You know, he's crazy, saying crazy stuff. You say crazy stuff all the time. She said, you're going to be on that show one day. And literally a month and a half later, um, I didn't get renewed for Curb. Not for Curb. I didn't get renewed for SNL. Yeah. So I was open and free. All this happened from her saying that, to me going to Atlanta, going on the road, doing stand-up, didn't get renewed. I just signed with a new agent. You know, I got rid of everybody. Got a new agent, knew everything. And then um, I go to uh, stand-up on the road. I was in Atlanta, Georgia, and I heard a buddy of mine had passed away. So a buddy of mine passed away, and I said, oh, man, I got to go, go to L.A. for one day because my buddy passed away. So I go to L.A. for one day, just, just one day. And I got in town. I said, I'm, I'm going to go visit my my new agent. They got offices in New York. They got an office in L.A. I go in there and meet these guys, say hi to them, and say, you know, because now it's my transition from being a writer on Curb, I'm transition from being a writer on SNL to me actually being in front of the camera again. Yeah. Even though I was on camera here and there at SNL. So what happened was I get there. I meet my new agent. Uh, one comes in late and says, hey, man, how long are you in town? So I'm in town for one day because, you know, my buddy yeah. passed away. I came in town. And my buddy was the guy who produced the song, This Is How We Do It, by Montel Jordan. Yeah. It's a, part, it's a crazy party song. This is how we yeah, do oh, it. Yeah. So I I said, uh, well, I'm in town for one day. My buddy passed away. Um, named O.G. Pierce, he passed away. I'm only in town for one day. So I got an audition. Can you make it over there? You got time to do it today? I said, yeah. What the hell? I said, what's it for? He said, Kirby Enthusiasm. I said, Wow. I freaking love Kirby Enthusiasm, man. I would love to go in. So, okay, can you go right now? I said, yeah. I leave there, go straight over to the audition. I walk in there. I said, okay. And they give me some sides of what the three scenes that we're going to do. And I'm thinking I'm going to go on and go on tape. You know, I'm probably going to go on tape. 
I had no, I didn't even know the process. I didn't even know I was gonna walk in the room and audition directly with Larry. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought I was gonna go on tape, they'll review the tape. You know how they normally do auditions. I get in there, man, Larry's standing in the middle of the room, you know, and I do this thing where I come in the room as my character. I always come in as my character as opposed to coming in as myself and turning on the character. Yeah. It's so hard to turn the character on. But if you come in that room, now you control the room. If I came in there as the character, I'm doing mannerisms, I'm walking in there, I'm looking around the room. They're looking at me like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? <laughs> he's walking around. He's looking and looking around, checking people out. You know, they, and that's, that's my way of showing you how my character enters the room, showing you how my character, uh, his mannerisms, his delivery, his, everything about him you see immediately. So now I, I control the room now. I'm not sitting there waiting for you to say action. Right. I control the room. Larry's looking around like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> What's wrong with this guy? So I said, I walk, I walk up to Larry. I said, okay, Larry, let's do this, baby. So audition, right? Um, we're going to improvise. I said, anything could happen. I said, who knows, man? I might slap you in the face. I don't know. And I just walked away, right? And we start the scene. And Larry's like, what the fuck? <laughs> He's looking at me. He's like, hey, who is this guy? You know what I mean? So I control the room now. So I, I do the audition. I leave there. And uh, my agent calls me. He says, uh, how'd it go? I said, man. I said, we laughed our asses off. I mean, it was a, it was a funny audition. I said, if someone else goes in and gets it, gets the character, God bless them. So I go on the road, do my little stand-up. A day later, you know, I, I'm, in, uh, I'm in Pittsburgh. I leave California, go straight to Pittsburgh. I'm in a snowstorm, everything, man. And my agent calls me. I'm driving. I leave the show because it's snowing too bad. And I, I hated the club. I was in a terrible hotel room. I mean, this hotel was fucking filthy. I just I had to lay down in my with my coat on and my shoes. It was so filthy. I said, "What the hell am I doing here?" And I say that because I just know that there's a route to everything. Yeah. Some somehow I was supposed to go through, you know, getting up to two hours from Pittsburgh to this little comedy club. I was supposed to not get renewed at SNL. I was supposed to be in this dirty hotel room. I was supposed to meet this crazy promoter club promoter who was out of his mind. I was supposed to leave there and say, I can't do this. I'm going to go back to Pittsburgh and fly out tomorrow morning. I was supposed to not do those, do those shows that weekend. I was supposed to be being in my car driving from this two hours out of Pittsburgh, driving in a snowstorm five miles an hour all the way back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. I was supposed to get a phone call from my agent saying, yo, go three miles an hour because you got Kirby enthusiasm. I was supposed to go through all that. You know, I can't say my buddy was supposed to die but I can say that I was supposed to be there to res to pay my respects to him. Yeah. So when I got there and paid my respects to him, somehow the universe said, hey, you love Kirby Enthusiasm. Your wife already said you're going to be on the show. So now you made a decision to show up to California to be at your friend's memorial. In order for that to happen, now you somehow the universe has put you in the room with Larry. Now everything you've always done, which is improvise on stage on stand-up, now you can improvise in front of him. Now he can make a decision if he's going to hire you or somebody else outside that room to be on the show. So when I got the show, I said, oh, snap, I got the show. So when I, then he said, come back to California immediately. I had to go back to California to start shooting Kirby Enthusiasm, which is crazy. You left out one piece. Yeah. Larry was also on SNL as a writer for a year. He was. didn't have a great experience. See left. how all this, isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's, that's, that's bizarre not, not, too. It's bizarre that somehow... I think somehow you meet people before you meet them. Yeah. And I really, I could feel that sh this show on my skin. 
I could feel that I was preparing myself to be on a, a show that improvised because I took the improv, improv class because I applied that to my stand-up. I applied that to everything I ever did, you know, being life at a party, showing up to parties when I was younger saying, man, everybody's sitting down. Let me start this party off. Let me be the first one to dance. Let me be the first one to do this. And I think that all played a part in building your character and who you, who you plan to be later on. But I think all that is laid out somehow. So when you get Curb, you think it's just one season? Here's no, I don't. I don't, I, I, I don't. I don't know, know what it is. Okay. I don't know what it is. All I know is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this dude something he never seen before. Yeah, I'm gonna go up here and do my best to to be the best uh, uh, part of this ensemble. But do they know the arc of like this family's gonna move in Larry's house for the season? And oh, that's oh, gonna that, be the, that was already written. Yeah, they know that part. All that they know. They but know they, they got they a family think it's coming. Probably over after the end of the season. But see, here's the fun thing about Curb is this: you. It's improvised. Of course, we got an eight-page outline. The yeah. story is there. But the dialogue, so I, I, I make it a point to, because the dialogue is open, I make it a point to um, create storylines within the storyline. Yeah. So because it's improvised, I get a chance to, you know, create uh, my story. There, there is no Leon origin. The character doesn't have an origin, so I could just sit there and say what the hell I want to say because there is there's nothing that says, you know. All I know is that I'm I wasn't from L I was from L A as opposed to from New Orleans. My family's from New Orleans. They called, you know, they end up at Larry's house and they called me, and I ended up coming over there and making myself at home. Yeah. So now that's all I got the base now. The base is there. Now I know that the base is there. Now all I gotta do is create my own little story, you know. Every time I perform, every time I do a scene with Larry, I always try to give him something he didn't know about the character, about Leon, a little, a little at a time, you know. And all that plays a part in. Yeah, I think all that plays a part in. Um, I can't say it, was, it played a part in them deciding to, deciding to bring me back or to keep me on the show, but I can say that um, I give two hundred percent to everything I I try to do, and I want to give you what you're looking for as a director, as a. Uh, a creator of a show, I'm gonna give you exactly what you're looking for. But if you give me the ability to to do JB, I'm gonna do JB to my fullest. Well, the thing, his favorite thing, it seems like about that show is like he's got it with Richard Lewis, yeah. he has it with Jeff, yeah. now he has it with you. Where mm -hmm. whatever the plot's going on, he'll always have those scenes yeah. when it's just him and his buddy, and they're just kind of shooting the shit, which That's is basically is. Yep. the Seinfeld DNA of those yep. guys in the coffee yep. shop. Yep. So arguing when I, about like Superman or something. Right. So when I say that. You know, we had we was talking off the season six, talking about how it feels as though we've been working together for years. I say that because I think that applies to anybody. I think with patience, with you know, going for whatever you are going for, there is several ways to get there. You just gotta choose whatever way you choose. You gotta be satisfied with that route and make that route work for you. You know, I'm sure that's probably a, a a, a faster way to anything. But with that way comes with burning bridges, comes with stepping on toes. You know, it might not come with longevity. It Are might you come saying with you're difficult? No, I'm saying that, <laughs> I'm saying that every, no, I'm I, saying know, that, I yeah, was kidding. Yeah, I'm just saying like, you know, every, I think every, every chance you get, you just gotta have fun with it, man. I think that, uh, I would say Curb and Seinfeld are two different yeah. creative experiences. Seinfeld's about, yeah, the, I, I mean, uh, not Seinfeld, uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Saturday Night Live is about the infrastructure. Yeah. This is how we do it. We've yep. done it this way since yep. 1975. Exactly. exactly. Monday's the pitch meeting. Wednesday's the day we order. stay up late. Oh my God. No, no, we have to do that. You can't 
And then we have the dress rehearsal. Yeah. And then, but it's like, there's no deviation from There's no that deviation from that. that Curve it, is that the opposite. Is, is opposite. That is exactly what, that is the exact order of things at SNL. That's, that's, that's that it, doesn't man. sound like that's your cup of tea. You know what? When I, when I, when I, well, I actually auditioned for SNL. So that was my second time ever auditioning for SNL. So uh, first time I auditioned was around when Tracy Morgan got on the show and that cast. And oh, like 96, 97. Yeah. And yeah. then the second time our audition was, um, um, I was the last one of the last three three people. So it came down to uh, uh, Finesse, Mitchell, yeah. Kenan Thompson, and myself. So we had the NBC test. And um, so they ended up giving it to those two guys. So then I left and went back to L.A. And they called me up and said, hey, man, would you like to, you know, we know we, we ended up going with Finesse and Kenan, but, you know, we, we like you a lot. Would you want to come in as a writer? So I was like, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really a writer back then, but I said, you know what? This will look great on my resume. Right. Let me just go ahead and just, you know, but it was hard saying like moving from New York to L.A. to go back to New York to audition for SNL, to come back to L.A. to get a phone call to move back to New York. It's like, God damn it. So it's one of those things where I had to sit there like, do I fight packing all this stuff back up again? Then I had some other things that were on the table. I said, damn, do I, do I get ahead and just pack up again and go back to New York? And I said, shit, you know? So I ended up saying, all right, let me, let me just go back because I think it's going to look, you know, and I'm, I'm always like, I like to plant seeds. So I'm a seed planter. Yeah. And whether that tree grows a week, a month, a year, five years, 10 years from now, at some point it's going to grow. It's just a matter how fast it's going to grow. So I'm a seed planter. I like to plant a bunch of seeds. And when things start to grow, that's when I can jump on it and and, and apply that to what It was I'm a weird out. time for this show. Cause you had the Will Ferrell era had yeah. that whole that whole cast. Yeah. And then he's leaving and then but then there's this other era coming, but it hadn't come yet. Yeah. And like Sandberg's about to show yeah, up. Man. And all Sudeikis, those guys, all those dudes. All those guys. That that was my class. Amy and Tina are kind of there, that's but they're my class. not they're that's blossoming and that's taking my over class the show. right there. But I was lucky. Kristen Wiig isn't there yet. Nope. She yeah. she came a uh, season later. Yeah. So I was there three seasons, and um, yeah, that's the fun thing about. See, I got a chance to do four four things though. But I I got there. I said, man, I got to I got to make it fun for myself. And if I'm not gonna get a lot of stuff on air, I need I need to like I need to get a lot of, I need to get a lot of stuff on air. So I would say, wasn't the most diverse show back then. I think I think adding Keenan and finesse added a lot Helped to a the little, show. Yeah. yeah. And Maya was on the show, right? So we 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 had a good time, you know. And I can't say it's an easy job. Yeah, I can't say it's it forces you uh, to challenge yourself. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with twenty five thousand miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. 
car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. What were your Lauren Michaels memories? For some reason, man, a lot of people felt they, they, they didn't really get along with him too much or they felt felt terrified by him. Yeah. But uh, I I never felt like that. I'm, I'm, I'm like this, man. i am always been a free spirit and I'm always a guy that's the loudest guy in the room. So I like to go and have fun. Yeah, you know whether it's a pitch meeting. When I'm pitching, everybody would pitch two ideas. I would go next to last pitching every 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 uh, every Monday. Yeah, I would go next to last, and I I literally I would pitch four things every time. I'll pitch four of the craziest things I could think of, and I would stand up. I would stand up and pitch. <laughs> so, and I would always perform my pitches. Yeah. So I always gave you a little a little show while I was doing my pitches, and I would have everybody cracking up because I would always think of the most outrageous. Some some of the most outrageous things I would think of, you know what I mean, like pregnant dominatrix, or <laughs> when uh, I wrote a sketch when uh, pregnant in the ass, you know what I mean. Yeah. It's like stupid shit I would think of, and but it would always pregnant in the ass. I would ass. kill, and that, that one didn't make air. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. But you know, I think that um, so I I, I got I got a few things on air. Uh, also, I was uh, I did warm up for two seasons. I did. Uh, uh, I was in a bunch of monologue sketches at the top of the show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I was in a few sketches here and there, and I was doing Conan O'Brien, who was still at NBC then downstairs. So I would they, they would call they would call my office and they would get Lawrence permission. Can can we borrow JB? Yeah. And then I would go downstairs and do a sketch with them on camera, and then come back upstairs and finish working on, on behind the computer. So it's like I got a chance to at least I got a chance to do to be on air while I was. Not on air. You know what I mean? Who was the funniest person just around the office during that stretch? SNL? Yeah. Was there oh. anybody that just blew you away from... I love Fred. Fred Armisen. I yeah. think Fred was the... I just love Fred so much, man. Fred was hilarious to me. I just liked his... You know, he had this certain demeanor that just made me laugh, man. And and I just worked with Fred again on this uh, Quibi show. Uh, with John Lutz and Paula Pell and a bunch wow. of us, yeah. So it's like the reunion of uh of SNL. Everybody on the on the Quibi thing was all uh, former SNL people. Who I worked Fred's with. one of those guys that yeah. I can't believe he's never done a tour of duty on Curb. Let me tell you something. That man. would seem like well, I, it would almost be too weird is, to have him on that show. He is he is so goddamn funny to me, man. I freaking love Fred, man. I think Fred is hilarious. But all everyone who I worked with was was amazing, man. We had we had a great class. Uh, Sudeikis was amazing, man. You talking about Tina Fey was a head writer back then, and yeah. everybody blossomed, man. Uh, Amy Amy kills kills it now. Kristen Wiig kills it now. Everybody on everybody from my class, I like that everybody kind of has their own thing going on, you know. And that's the fun thing about working with an ensemble like that. And, yeah, um, you get a chance to see. It's kind of always kind of reminds me of like comic books, you know. You you, you see the X Men the, the yeah. X Men shows. So the X Men has this big ass mansion. With Professor Xavier, I guess Lauren Michaels would be Xavier. Yeah. And all these damn characters, they're all different. They all have different powers. But somehow, you know, the powers are suppressed in this house because, you know, it's, it's a certain, like you said, SNL is a certain kind of show. 
It's been here forever. It's kind of what it is what it is. But once you get out of it, once you graduate out of the school, then you have your own career, you know, whether you're, you know, Wolverine or whether you're uh, yeah. Iceman or whoever, Angel, everybody's blossoms out and next thing you know, they're doing their own thing. It's kind of what it reminded me of being a part of a, a X-Men kind of mansion or something, but uh, because it, it just had all these rich, all these characters, all these people who had their own thing. And who they, yeah. who were your comedy influences? Because you start when do you start doing stand up? When you're like 20, 22? Yep, yep. But uh, so that's yep. like after so, five years after Eddie, <clears throat> Eddie hit it. I was watching Eddie before I yeah. started doing stand up. I was like, this dude is incredible. So yeah, so uh, I'm 30 years in right now. Yeah. So, so you're growing up watching all the yeah. sitcoms in the Everything 70s. Everything. That's what I favorite. had to. Now, my, my influences were, of course, Pryor, Fox, yeah. Cosby. Um, uh, who else? Um, and I loved, I think the, as much as I loved those guys, I think there was a turn when, you know, they always say, it's, you know, when you start doing stand-up, 50% of it is being able to walk on that stage, the guts to walk on the stage and grab the mic. Yeah. You're halfway there already. Yeah. I think the turn that got me really to walk on that stage and grab that microphone, I started written, written, renting uh, VHS tapes of uh, George Carlin. Oh, as yeah. As much as everybody, everybody, everybody played a part of my stand-up, but at some point I had to go from listening to it all the time on records to watching it on videotapes to being able to walk on that stage and grab the microphone. Something had to transition me to get there. Now, I was always a big fan of comedy. All the, all the, I grew up on all the great TV shows I loved. Of course, I loved Genie and, and, and Gilligan's Island and all those shows, The mm. Jeffersons and Sanford and Son. All my shows, I loved them. You know, uh, What's Happening, all those good shows, good times, all my good shows. I was going to be mad if you didn't mention good times. <laughs> you know what I loved, though? I loved, I idolized Peter Sellers. I huh. freaking idolized Peter Sellers. Like, as far as comedic actors, yeah. Peter Sellers was gold to We me. don't really have a Peter Sellers now. Oh, Peter Sellers is incredible. He kind of he kind of had his own lane that I haven't I love, seen anyone I fill. Think, I think I loved British humor a lot at that time. Yeah, I just I just loved the hell out of some Peter Sellers, man. That was my dude, man. So we oh, so he was he was incredible to me. And the eighties, everybody seen the party? Which one was that? The I don't party. Remember. Yeah. Oh I don't my remember. gosh, man! Of course he did the Inspector. Yeah, yeah I remember him from the. Pink he did Panther one called movies. the Party, man. Oh. Just incredible. You gotta watch. I don't want to tell you about it. It's okay. Just, it's just. It's just. To me, that is one of the the most uh, amazing uh, uh, performances to me. Um, it just shows Peter Sellers in his in his form and what he does. So late eighties, early nineties, you're doing you're doing the comedy stuff. Did you get it? Were you on a young comedian special? Did, no. Were you hitting all those check marks? No, nah, man. We I hadn't hit that hit that level yet. But I was doing. Um, I started out the Uptown Comedy Club in yeah. Harlem. And then, uh, of course, I started working my way downtown, doing the downtown clubs and stuff here. What and was there. the Uptown Comedy Club in Harlem like oh, in the eighties? Freaking amazing! Yeah, everybody came through there, man. It was like a who's who of comedy, yeah. especially black comedy. Right. So uh, the line would would come down the stairs and all the way around the corner on a Sunday night, man. And it was absolutely so. Who were the amazing. OGs during that era, other than Eddie? Because the <laughs> Previous generation was getting old, like Robin Harris. Was, Robin Harris was around back then. Uh, Martin TV show had just came on. Oh yeah, so we were sitting there. We were we were backstage watching Martin backstage while they were calling out who's coming on stage next. That's how much we were like, like wow, he did right. it. You know what I mean? I think it's that he did it thing because we we all want to get there. 
And we're sitting there watching Martin coming to the stage. Well, I gotta go and run on stage and do your show. Because we were all inspired by that, man. It we was just, that new era for black it was, comedy because you like, had, yeah, we had, you had the Robert Jam, Townsend movie. Robert Townsend movie. In Living Colors In Living about Colors to start. popping off. Deaf Comedy Jam was popping off. Uh, uh, BC Comic View was popping off. And it, it just opened up this whole new uh, genre, man. Right. We, you know, and I think that There's was- There's more a, cable channels. That, too, was, that was the transition. Open. That was the transition uh, of black comedy, man. I think that uh, I'm so happy that Here's what I tell people all the time. I, I always say I wouldn't change um, my route for anything. Like, a lot of guys probably wish they were, they, they were like, fresh right now because of the social media world and how fast you can get famous quick, quicker. Yeah. But I wouldn't change my route for anything, man. I feel like, I feel like me being a part of several eras, I say. I was a part of the inception of hip-hop. I've seen every, you name it, you name an artist, Back then, I was there. I was at all the concerts. Sometimes I even had a fake ID. Because back then in Times Square, Times Square was grimy. You sound like Jalen. Jalen always tells me this too. Jalen was there for everything in the 90s. Times Square was grimy. I'm telling you something, man. You can get you uh, a fake ID, anything. I hung out in all the clubs downtown. I'm talking about, I seen everybody. I was at the Tough and Leather tour. I was at, I seen everybody. If I didn't see you perform on stage yeah. at the Fun House or at Roseland or wherever, all the, all the clubs, if I didn't see you perform there, I seen you perform at block parties. I seen Boogie Down Productions. I seen, you name it, Run DMC, Boogie Down, Eric B. Rakim. You name any rap artist back then that started out, I was there, Kid and Play. I seen all these guys perform. Everybody, whether it was in a small club, a block party, Dougie Fresh. I remember seeing Dougie Fresh when he was performing in the basement of the projects. Because my buddy, his cousin was doing security for him. And I used to go down there and see DJ battles. That's when everything was bad. It was like the battle. Yeah. DJs battle each other. MCs battle each other. But it was fun stuff. It was different than it is now, man. You had crews, rap crews, and oh, man. The Cold Crush ba- Brothers. Biggie? Biggie's l- way later. This like about, five years later. You're talking late 80s, 80s early I'm 90s. Talking about, I'm talking about Run DMC when they first came out. Yeah. I'm talking about old school stuff. That's new That's newer school. When that's, was Biggie's in the middle. 93. I'm talking about yeah. Aaron B. Rakim. You're going early. Slick Rick. I'm talking about uh, school Jekyll and Hyde. Heavy D and the Boys, who's yeah. from my hometown. I'm talking about I'm talking about old school rappers. Curtis Blow. I'm going back, back, back. Fake ID and everything, man. 15 yeah. years old going to these parties, man. Grown-ass ladies. Grown-ass ladies in dresses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about partying in hip, uh, hip-hop clubs, partying in R&B clubs, the Red Parrot, Bentleys, uh, uh, Justine's. I can go on forever, man. I'm talking about hanging out, hanging out. Before, I'm talking about at the inception of hip-hop. Gotcha. Inception, which is way different than, you know, Big and them had their era, Big and Pop. I'm talking about before and before that. Then I mean, that was when what, Cats was banging on boxes. That era rapping. wasn't even in movies. We, we were rap. We were rap in, at the lunch table, banging on tables. Yeah. We were rap to that. I'm talking about that is the era era, at the inception of hip hop. So we that's did different. a we did a rewatchables podcast recently about King of New York. Uh-huh. And that used some of the music from that era. It was one of the, I think the first. Yeah, mainstream like action movie like that that actually relied That's what on it was man. yeah it was good times. That's what good times. So I say that because you know I've seen I wouldn't change my journey 
being that uh, my influences are far and beyond. Yeah. My influences are early hip hop. I used to be a hip hop dancer. I used to dance with two crews back in the day. Wow. I was a, when roller skating was the greatest thing in the world. Going to the roller rink was the greatest thing in the world. We used to roller skate from Mount Vernon to the Bronx to skate key, change our wheels, put our indoor wheels on, skate four hours, take them off, put our outdoor wheels back on, and skate back to Mount Vernon. Jesus. That's that's a young, that's a young energy. Your kids. You just want to have fun and do stuff. So I take I say that because my my journey involves early hip hop. Involves, you know, my journey just involves all the inceptions of black comedy, all yeah. the inceptions of hip hop, all the inceptions of uh, all these shows. I, you know, this one day I was on a show and, and somebody actually ran down my whole IMDb. It's stuff I forgot about that I didn't even realize I did. I did one of the first shows ever on on Comedy Central called Short Attention Span Theater. The yeah, first pilot that. ever on MTV called Apartment 2F with the Scar Brothers. Um, I don't remember that. that was a, it, was, it, was only, it was only one pilot. Did a pilot episode. And I think it came back again later on. Comic Kazi. Remember that one? No. It was a stand-up show also. They took some of the most daring comedians out there and put them on one show. And comedians who were physical and crazy and did crazy did stuff. Did anybody do pregnant Comic in the Kazi. ass or no? That was way before he his time. <laughs> way before his time, brother. Way before his time. But that's a sketch. So it's, they got to bring that back. It's a classic sketch, though. It's a funny if sketch. If you ever host SNL, they, they, you would have to. Let me tell you something. I got so many, so many sketches that didn't make it. My monologue would actually be. Just all the sketches that didn't make it. Broadway-style monologue of all my sketches. The urine detective. The urine <laughs> detective. Um, <laughs> all my, the, the, the all-day cigarette. Um, you the name all-day cigarette? All, What's that it's one? It's a long-ass cigarette. It, it just, just goes All-day cigarette. Uh, you name it, man. I would do all my classics, man, in a, in a Broadway style monologue, it man. Would finish with pregnant well, in the ass. Well, I would walk through. That's, that's the kicker. Yeah, I would walk through, like, through everybody getting dressed for all my sketch for my sketches, and I would walk through there doing my monologue. <laughs> pregnant in the ass. You know? they had twenty people singing oh, pregnant man. in the ass. With oh my god, that'd be so great. Many sketches that didn't Let's make, make this it. happen. Oh man, so many sketches that didn't make it. But yeah. I would do that. That that would be my monologue. That's It'll good. Be all my, all right, so everything I didn't make it. We just but, need to find the date when you host. Oh, that's we'll, it. we'll figure it out. It's gonna happen one day. I, you know, you know, big rush. We'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, when when they when they call, I'll be ready. What's your favorite Curb episode that you've been in? They all are so. Fun. What's your What's your number my, one? My number what's one. What's your go to? What's the I, one you I, want I, on I, your tombstone? I, it's somewhere between get. I think getting that ass is probably my favorite. Because I think the funny thing about that sketch is. Larry had no idea what getting that ass was. <laughs> His character or himself. Yeah. Larry, Larry, and Larry David. Larry David and Larry David. Either Larry, the real Larry David, and the TV Larry David had no idea what getting that ass was. So the first take, I saw Larry's face like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? He's like nodding his head like, he, like he's trying to catch it. Yeah. But then once I explained, I said, getting that ass, man, it's a metaphor for defending yourself. You know? He said, oh, and then you know, but he played it so well. He played it as though, yeah, like like he like he was just getting it. So now Leanne's to the end. I, I don't think that, however many more seasons, Leon, maybe there's not even going to be another season. But Leon's Leon Leon's going to be in the final episode. Leon is he made in, it, man. I think Leon. I think Leon does. Leon have a Leon job. Came up. 
What's the, how, nobody what knows do for Le- money? That's the fun thing about it. Nobody knows what Leon does. We did, how, do, how does he pay for stuff? Just one episode. Does he have a credit card? I told Larry, one episode, man, just follow Leon for one day. Yeah, what does he what do? What does Larry do? What does Leon do when he's not? Does he work him? out? He does a lot of things. Does somehow he, date? he Somehow he has money. Somehow he has ladies. Somehow he does all this stuff. I think I think I think Leon. It's almost like a, like a cartoon character, like a, like Barney Rubble, where you're just like, what does he do all day? And in fact, we don't need day? to know. We don't need to know. I think that's what makes the the, the the mystique about Leon is, what the hell does he what does he do? But he lives by his metaphors, which are bringing a ruckus. That's how I do it. Doing your dizzle, and the main one I think he lives by is, I guess mine. Right. I guess mine is the greatest phrase ever, because. Some people don't. Some people don't know they get theirs. You gotta know in your heart that no matter what happens in this world, I guess mine. Well, all we know about him is he lived with his family that was displaced by the hurricane. That's all you know about him. Ended up at Larry's house, Came but then the house. family left. Family left. He decided to stay. Yeah, he he, and no, he decided to stay. He has Larry's no more, trying to get rid of him. Right. He said, "Well, everybody's gone. I guess you're gonna." Hey, Larry, did go upstairs. Yeah, Leon's like, room, I'm good. And eat this fucking Chinese food. And, and walk we don't, your ass and walk away. And he's never kept in touch Plus, with his family? Of course he does. He can be in touch with his family. Okay, you think he but emails them? They chose to fucking leave. So they that was got a mistake. out of it. They fucked up. Yeah, that was a mistake. They fucked up. Um, we, could all we, eat, we could all eat that Chinese food together. Let's talk quickly about the... Uh, you're always involved in sports stuff. Yes. Like you were I'm just always, at NBA All Star Weekend. Yeah, man. I'm, you're just kind of you're like a peripheral Super athlete. Bowl, it's like you were All-Star. a former athlete, but you never played in a in a league. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Sometimes you should just have a new narrative where you were on the Charlotte Hornets in like 1992. Well, I went to the Legends. I went to the, I went to the Legends brunch, right? I, I go every year, and I sat behind the desk with all the legends, and I said, "Look at us." Right. I said, "Look at us. We're still here." Huh? Okay. <laughs> we, 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 look at that point. We're still here. Huh, Spencer? Spencer Haywood and, and all the great legends. Spencer Haywood, you could probably convince you played in five Everybody, seconds. I always say us. I never say, look at sir. I say, sir, look at us. Right. Look at us. You're a peripheral athlete celebrity. I am. I am the you ultimate. You figured out how to do it. I have got, I'm on every team. I have figured a way all these guys to get know traded you. to every team in the NBA. They all know you. They, they all know me. They probably me. give you big greetings, hugs, handshake hugs. I'll tell you why. Because I give them love. Even though they, they're old, rickety ass bodies. Are, are past their prime. I speak to them as though they can still dunk. They still take that. Well, ball have you noticed court. athletes do no look passing? All the things they they used to be able to do, I speak to them as though they're still doing it. When I when I did Countdown with Magic when mm-hmm. we spent the year together, he would talk about the Lakers and himself as basketball players in present tense. You have to. And he would be like, you know, the thing with James, I like to get James the ball on the right block and what James likes to do. And I'm like, James hasn't played for 15, for 20 years. You got but it. in Magic's head, it, it was all still it's all now. real. They, that's the only way. Yeah. You see Matumbo, he still does this. <laughs> right. right. That finger still goes up. That long ass finger still goes up. Shaq and Barkley, they do it on the TNT show. They still talk about themselves like they could get out there and and defend Zion. They do. Because they, that's the argument people have. Their era versus the new era. They always match these old teams up. Sometimes they'll do do a little thing, line the old teams up with the new teams. It's hard. Well, now it's tough because the the sport changed so much the last seven years. So the three pointers. Different game. Different game now. Somebody, I was talking to somebody recently about what Larry Bird's stats would have been like in 2020. Yeah. Because he would have taken like 10 threes a game. It's hard. Faster pace. But it's hard also. Think about Shaq now. Shaq changed the game. 
They changed the rules because of Shaq. They did. They changed, they changed the rules. changed the rules in the paint. So, as big as Shaq and as powerful as he is, do we know any true big men like Shaq? Not. Not like him. We don't know any true big men now who are playing now who have that presence, that big as he was and strong as he was in that in this era. Well, especially you go back to like blue chip Shaq. Yeah. When he was like oh, skinny yeah. young Shaq. Skinny young Shaq, breakdancing and stuff. Doing, he was like seven doing, foot two and could breakdance and do oh all that God. fun stuff, doing the damn wave on the ground, the worm. That big, that's a big guy, man. I don't think there's going to be another center like that just because. I don't know. Everybody's the, hybrids of of these big guys now. They they want a guy who can, they want big guys who can shoot from outside. That's threes. the thing is, Shaq nowadays would be shooting threes as a freshman threes. in high school. He wouldn't be working he around be the rim working, and he doing all this stuff. It'd be different. It's a different game now. So you just did, we're taping this right after All-Star Weekend. You did a roast. Yeah, the NBA fun. was always terrified of roast because I remember Shaq. Yeah. I pay-per-viewed all of them. Shaq ah. used to roast in the early 2000s. <laughs> And they were really funny, so but they would cross some lines. Yeah. yeah Jeff Ross definitely would cross some lines in those. But now that yeah. now that's kind of circled around. But yeah. what was that roast like? The roast was amazing, man. Uh, Who'd you get to make fun of? Uh, I uh, got fun to make fun of um, everybody who was also roasting. Uh, Charles, Shaq, Ernie, Kenny. So Charles four. is like just fat But jokes. we also roasted each other. Right. Which is Jeffrey, uh, Jeff Ross, myself, Jay Farrell, um, uh, Lily Singh. Uh, Gary Payton was on there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. So we got to just roast each other also, which was really fun. And, so you, um, the go-to things are like, Charles Barker, you're just making weight jokes. Oh, man. Shaq, he's cross-eyed. He's, he's, yeah, all that know, stuff. We didn't go hard, harsh, because it was TNT. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it wasn't like coming. Because Jay Farrow does that whole Shaq thing. Oh, he's, he like crosses he's, he's amazing. Eye, does, Jay's amazing. He, yeah. he, he, he killed it. Um, everybody ripped it. It was so fun, man. Um, that was my first time doing a roast. I've never done a roast before. So that was my first. I've turned them down numerous times. So how mean did times. you get on a scale of one to ten, like a four? Which one now? How mean did you get? Oh, not what that I did. Mean. Here's what I did. I it's can't imagine easy. you getting super mean. I told them, I said, look, I went up there, I said, look, man, this roast thing is not me. It's not my, you know, why should I bring my friends I love down? Yeah. I'm going to build you up. You're a positive guy. So I, I said, I'm, a posi- I'm, I'm all about positivity. I'm going to build your asses up. You guys know what's wrong with you. You know? <laughs> it's not new. Huh? No, you know exactly what you, what, what's wrong with you guys. You know. <laughs> but I'm going to bring you up. So I just, I brought them up. I just started giving them ideas of how to better themselves. Mm. And Tiffany Haddish was the host. Yeah. Tiffany was amazing as the host. I talked about how, you know, um, with Tiffany, I talked about how um, years ago, I remember Tiffany talked to me about she wanted to, to remove her mole. I said, don't, oh, you, don't you do it. I like her mole. I said, don't, I told her, everybody loves it. Don't you, do, don't you cut that mole off. People love that damn mole. And I talked about how she should get more moles. The more moles, the like better. Ten more. I told her she should rub faces with, uh, <laughs> with. Um, I told her to rub faces with. Uh, what's good? Uh, God dang it! I'm gonna lose my lose my mind. Huh? Uh, I was like, I told her to. Uh, uh, Somebody else with a famous uh, mole. God dang it! I'm gonna lose my brain right now. Um, uh, uh, you play God. Um. Freeman, Freeman, Morgan Freeman. I said, rub faces with Morgan Freeman. He got plenty of moles. Right. You got to do what what you got to do. What we got to do to get more moles, do it. You know what I mean? I told her to, uh, I said, people love that black jelly bean on your face. People love it. That black jelly bean is gold right now. You and that black jelly bean are like gold right now. 
You make it, you, you, you're famous. Don't you dare cut that mole off. I talked about, uh, who I talked about, uh, uh, Lily Singh, who was amazing. Amazing, has an amazing uh, late night talk show. Yeah. Amazing young lady. Um, I told her, I said, look, you, you, you claim Indian, but I thought you were black. So I said, you know, why don't you open a 7-Eleven, right? And kick your own self out. <laughs> easy, easy little suggestions to better their lives. I, I just kept giving them advice, you know? I told Shaq, Shaq, you should get a line of, of those big inflatable uh, balloons that sit in front of uh, car dealerships, but make you put your face on them. Right. And, and just, just, it's just a Shaq it's balloon. A, it's a Shaq inflatable promotional uh, balloons. Uh, Charles Barkley, I said, Charles, man, Shaq is everywhere. His, his, he's everywhere. He's on, he's on, he's, he's, he's sponsored so many things. Yeah. His name is everywhere. Incredible I said, you, you got to do that, man. I said, you do a good job here, of course. But this is great. You do an amazing job. But you need to get a job as maybe a, you need a third or fourth or fifth job. Maybe a banana pudding inspector or, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, how about, uh, how about you, uh, 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 you you uh you break chairs in you you are a comfy chair <laughs> breaker inner. That means somebody buys a brand new lazy boy couch, a, a lazy boy chair, and it's all stiff and hard. They call you over, you bring your big ass over there, and you sit in that chair <laughs> 70, 80 times in a row. Just keep sit down, get up, sit down, get up, sit down, get up. Now that chair that's comfy, it's broken in now. That's all you do, you know, stuff like that. That's all. That's like silly stuff we did, but I I was giving them advice how to better their lives, how to bring themselves up. You know, and I talked about Ernie, Ernie Johnson. I respected him because he's a white man with a black man's name. Ernie True. Johnson, Ernie Johnson. That's a black man's name. Oh, man. I used to have a running joke in my column about there was a Red Sox pitcher named Reggie Cleveland, but he was white. <laughs> and I was the Reggie Cleveland All-Stars for white guys with names like Ernie Johnson. Man. Reggie Cleveland was the best one. You, you've ever thought in a million years he was a, oh my God. a white sinker baller? Oh, man. I was just talking about all kind of craziness. What, um, but, so, but, but the roast was fabulous, man. Jeff Ross, I told Jeff to gain 30, 40 pounds, you know, and, and wrap himself in string and put some, baste himself and put a little garlic, some little garlic on himself. That way he'd be a roast master that roast roast. Mm. You know, that's easy, easy stuff I'm giving him. You know, easy, easy things that they can do to, to to bring themselves up. I think we should create a fake basketball reference page for you. I love it. Where you were on, you were on the LJ Alonzo Morning oh. Charlotte team just for one year. You know, I played. A, but you, you hurt your knee. You know, I played a character in a movie called Almost Christmas, named Lonnie McClay. Lonnie McClay. What was Almost I played, Christmas? I played in the Supersonics and also played in Croatia. Almost Supersonics Christmas. and Croatia. Two years, two years ago, it came out. Funny movie, great movie, man. I have, I even have my own my own card. On the movie, I had a Kyle, car. have you seen Almost Christmas? Lonnie McClay. You seen Almost Christmas? I don't think I saw that oh, one. Man. I see almost every movie. It's a great holiday movie, man. Yeah? Came out, yeah, oh, it's a holiday ago. movie. Two years ago, I it came out, man. Tell from I played almost Uncle Christmas. Lonnie McClay. I was, uh, ex Lonnie McClay, it's a good Ex-basketball player. I played in Croatia. I played on the Seattle Supersonics when they were still there. Right. Back back when Gus Williams played. Back in the day. Oh, yeah. You know, Gus Williams. Downtown Freddy. Shout, big shout to Gus Williams. My, yeah. My, my man right there from Mount Vernon. So, uh, my character's name, nickname. Oh, he was, was from your hometown? Yeah, Gus Williams, the Williams brothers. The Williams brothers, uh, the McCray bro brothers. Yeah, I have almost. the Nike poster with them. Come on, man. Come on, man. Gus Williams. Hey, man, DJ? Gus Williams was the most underrated guard of that I era. I tell people all the time, Gus. They won the NBA title. Nobody the ran, best player in the team. Nobody ran the point better than Gus. Oh, he was so good. He had the beard with the, <laughs> oh, with the on, balding head combo thing. Come on, thing. man. Come on. 
He held out for a year, though. He lost a whole year of his prime. It was amazing. He held man. out. Yep. Then he went to Washington. I love that guy. In the movie, my nickname is Chattel. Chattel. Uh, because I made what? a I made a last second shot. Uh, everybody talked about Chattel became my thing. That's all. I, I, so much that I couldn't let it go. Like, time has passed by. People forgot about Chattel. And when someone brings Chittal. up Chattel, I'm like, did you say Chattel? What you know about Chattel? What the hell do you know about Chattel? <laughs> Chattel. Tell me about uh, your tour before we go. Oh, my tour. The Lollygagging tour is an amazing, fun tour. Uh, you can see JB Smooth in his element, man. Uh, a lot of improvising. A lot of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of funny, physical. I do a little bit of everything, man. I'm like... That's I'm all like over a, the I'm country? I'm a wild when it comes to stand-up. Yeah. Since I've been doing it so long. But uh, people love to come out and see my show because I don't... Every show's a little different, you know? I perform for the audience in front of me. And uh, I just go... Because sometimes, any given night... The audience loves your mannerisms. They love your delivery. They love different things about you that particular night and that particular crowd. So I always tend to go to the direction of the crowd that takes me, you know, where they take me at. But um, I just love, I've been doing stand-up for a long time, man. I love it. The Lottie Gagging Tour is is a fabulous way of, of presenting a stand-up show, I feel. It allows your brain to relax a little bit. And what, and what do you do when you Lottie Gag? You're dormant. Your brain is dormant. You're open to whatever and everything to come in and, and, and entertain you. You know, there's no stress when you're a lot of gagging. You, yeah. you just, ah, let me see what JB's talking about. You know, and you watch a great show, man. And um, the tour is resuming this year. As of course, I, I started la late last year and now it's resuming. We just finished on Baltimore last um, uh, last week. Fun time in Baltimore, sold out four shows. Now wow. I'm going to Sacramento uh, next weekend, the 27th. Uh, make some Kings jokes. Oh, I love it, man. I love it. I love Sacramento, man. I can't wait to go to Sacramento. All my peeps out there in Sacramento, your boy would be there. Um, and um, also, follow your boy on Old Snap JB Smooth on all platforms. O-H-S-N-A-P-J-B-S-M-O-V-E. Last question. Yes. Oh, that was good. Last question. Most surprising person who told you he loved Curb or she? Um, this this blew my mind. <sighs> um, I was in, I was in um, Craig's restaurant, my favorite restaurant. Yeah, and um, I was sitting there with some friends, laughing, having a good time, and a lady taps me on the shoulder, and she says, "Hi, JB, we're big fans." A table full of girl ladies. Oh my God, hi, we love you. We work for Mick Jagger. JB, Mick Jagger loves you. I said, "Come on." You're playing around. No, no, I swear. You're, Mick Jagger loves Curb and he loves you. I said, you tell Mick Jagger. I said, thank you. I love Mick Jagger. I said, how's he doing? He's on tour right now in Ireland. She said, you want to go to Ireland? I said, don't do this to me right now. Do you want to go to Ireland? We'll surprise him. I'm like, I said, wait, 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 wait. I said, wait, 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 wait. You mean to tell me right now we can go to Ireland right now, see the show, and surprise Mick Jagger? She said, yes, I can call them right now and see where they are. They are definitely performing in Ireland tomorrow night. We'll bring you. You'll hang out with us. He'll go crazy because he loves you. All he talks about is you. He loves Kirby Enthusiast. He loves Larry. He loves the show, but he loves he loves Leon. I said, what? I said, I gotta, I'm in the middle of shooting something. I can't just leave. She said, oh, don't worry about it. We'll let him know we saw you. And then I was like, Jagger. Loves Leon. Big Jagger. I'm talking about Big Jagger. The one who, I heard Big Jagger puts, puts like four miles of walking every show on his body. He's like in the greatest shape of any non-athlete. You know how hard it is to walk like yeah. this? You got to walk like this, number one. 
<laughs> well, how, why can't he be on curb? Sure that seems could. like that's sure a natural be. curb I'm sure, I'm sure he could be. Did you tell Larry about this? I told Larry. I said, Larry, man, Mick Jagger loves the show. But Larry knows a lot of the people already, a lot of these folks. That's true. He is. But, you know, Larry's, a, Larry's he's, icon, he's iconic. Right. I'm just J.B. Smooth. Everybody loves that guy. I'm just J.B. Smooth, man. Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger. I mean, you could have surprised him in Ireland. Actually, he's, I could have. He's old. You might have really surprised him. You I might have had like a heart attack. Hey, man. You like the, you just show J.B. shows up in Ireland. Jagger. That's an amazing story. Good luck with the tour. Good luck with the rest of the season of Curb. The nice to finally do this. tour continues, baby. Hit your boy up. Oh, snap, JB Smooth. Woo! <laughs>